Welcome to First Sisters, an all-female live show and podcast. Each episode showcases one artist. You'll hear their performance from our live show, followed by an interview with us, Beth Rowe and Alex Kern. Please listen and please subscribe. I just found out I'm 5'7 and a quarter, and my 6'4 husband guessed I was 5'5. And then I was like, no, I'm 5'3. And he's like, you are? Anyway. Um, okay, so spring cleaning. I decided, uh, so I write a lot of satire. And sometimes you write timely pieces, and you send them out, and they get rejected. And then they just sit there, and there's nothing you can do with them because they're not timely anymore. So I decided to bring them out of hiding and read some pieces that are not in any way timely to now <laughs> that didn't get published. And hopefully uh, you'll remember the things that were happening when I wrote these. <laughs> So the first one is called Other Things Megyn Kelly Only Recently Became Aware Of Besides the Deeply Racist History of Blackface. (laughs) Number one, nothing rhymes with orange. Number two, Childish Gambino and Donald Glover are the same person. Number three, Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen are brothers and that libtard Martin Sheen is their dad. Number four, You can tell what side your gas gauge is on by looking at the arrow on the icon, always to the right, wink, wink. (laughs) Almond milk is not actually milk, it's nut juice. (laughs) But it is white. (laughs) Frankenstein is not the name of the monster, it's the name of the doctor who created him. He was probably Jewish. (laughs) It's impossible to sneeze and keep your eyes open at the same time, especially when you're trying to avoid seeing centuries of inequality right in front of you. The correct phrase is not for all intensive purposes, it's for all intents and purposes, as in Megyn Kelly's show is canceled for all intents and purposes. It was unclear back then. The Alanis Morissette song, Ironic, contains no irony, but what is ironic is TV networks hiring people who have said racist things in the past and being surprised when they say racist things in the present. (laughs) If you hit the 57 on the bottle of Heinz, the ketchup will pour right on out, just like the offensive words of an ignorant middle-aged white woman. (laughs) Flippantly defending racist practices on TV will get your show canceled. Well, sometimes. It depends on your ratings. LOL. That's that one. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Uh, This next one is called, I am also part of the resistance working inside the Trump administration. (laughs) If you remember, there was a op-ed piece. uh, One of our resistance members is apparently in the White House. Guys, don't worry. It's all under control. Sure, as you all know, President Trump has the temperament of a toddler, the ego of, a four, of 14 frat guys named Doug who just won a butt-chugging contest, and the future of democracy itself within the grasp of his tiny hands. But it's all good. We're on it. Just to be clear, when I say I am part of the resistance, I do not mean I am one of those snowflake lefties who sing Kumbaya every night after eating a bowl of kale chips while worshiping the troll goddess Samantha Bee. Those people want free appendicitis surgeries, doorless bathrooms, and humane treatment of people who are trying to escape persecution in their home countries. I am not one of those pansy losers, thank you very much. We are the resistance that wants the administration to succeed as long as it serves our personal interests, and those of the gigantic corporations who fund the Republican Party. 
Our first duty is to ourselves, and our second duty is to our donors, but our third duty is to the country. And for that reason, we are working hard behind the scenes so you can all stop worrying and be easy breezy lemon squeezy. We are slowly chipping away at the madness of the would-be king, like a freighter that must turn by degree. We are turning the president at a glacial, some would say unnoticeable pace. But just because you can't see it doesn't mean it isn't happening. Think of it this way. The Titanic would have stayed afloat if the captain had steered directly into the iceberg. See, you're feeling better already. <laughs> we are so stealth in our resistance, good old Donnie J can't even tell that his plans are constantly being derailed by our ninja-like moves. Sure, you could say that he's been able to sneak some stuff past us, like having unsupervised meetings with a known war criminal, tweeting threats at private citizens, and a litany of other madness, but it's all good in the hood. Frankie says relax. <laughs> Admittedly, we thought about invoking the 25th Amendment and getting him the hell out of the Oval Office and back to his golden toilet, but we did not want to start a constitutional crisis by using the Constitution the way it was intended. Instead, we decided we'd much rather have a humanity crisis and just cross our fingers and hope for the best for the next four, eight years were over. Don't get me wrong, the president is an absolute lunatic. He changes his mind as often as Melania changes the locks on her bedroom door. But you can all just take a chill pill. We use extremely subtle negotiation tactics to make sure whatever decision he lands on, it's the one that serves our hateful and racist agenda. What, don't tell me if you had the opportunity to play the leader of the free world like a puppet, you wouldn't take it. I know some people out there are freaking out and saying that the country has already gone off the rails, but you really don't have to be concerned. We've been pulling the strings all along. Those kids who still haven't been reunited with their families, that was on purpose. The systemic rolling back of environmental protections, totally part of the plan. The normalization of Nazism, uh, who has two thumbs up and is this guy? I bet you're breathing easy now. <laughs> the true tragedy in all of this is the loss of decorum. If Americans are known for anything, it's our manners. The timing of the death of the Honorable Senator John McCain is prescient as his loss marks a blow to American civility. But we will honor Senator, honor Senator John McCain by following in his footsteps and siding with President Trump, an abhorrent human being with no moral center, the vast majority of the time. I hope this has quashed your fears and you can all rest easy tonight knowing that your country is not being crushed in the hands of a madman, but instead coddled by some opportunistic insiders who are only looking out for their own bottom lines. Thank you. And then finally, uh, this one is called, it's a little dark, I'm sorry, Updated Children's Songs for the Migrant Children Who Still Have Not Been Reunited with Their Parents. <laughs> oh, where, oh, where has my parent gone? The wheel, <laughs> this is going to go great. Uh, <laughs> the wheels on the bus that drove me hundreds of miles away from my parents. Open, shut them tents, it's getting cold now that it's winter. The ants go, I'm going to keep going, guys. The ants go marching to demand better treatment for migrants. Hickory dickory, DACA still hasn't been saved. My Bonnie lies over the ocean. My mother lies back over the border. Old McDonald had a farm, but he won't have anyone to work it the way things are going. Rub-a-dub dubbing this the worst administration in U.S. history. Row, row, row your boat back to Cuba because it's probably better than here. Jack and Jill don't get treated like this because they're white. <laughs> Hush, little baby, your mother can't hear you because she's in another country. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm skipping the next one. Baby. <laughs> we Willy Winky better stay the hell away from these kids. 
You asked for it. Baby beluga, where the hell are my parents, you monsters? And head, shoulders, knees, and toes, how do you people sleep at night? Thank you. I can now put these to bed. Thank you. Hello. Welcome back to Birth Sisters. I'm Beth Rowe. And I'm Alex Kern. And we're here today with Hannah Lopayton. Hi, Hannah. Hi, hey, Beth. Hannah. Hi, Alex. How's it going? <laughs> and so sometimes we just like drop into NPR hosts. Oh, <laughs> it's so fun. It's so fun. It really is. Hey. Hannah's so wearing balls. balls. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hannah is wearing uh, a leotard. No, that's not um, a leotard. It's a tank. Wearing, wearing leggings and leggings. a tank. Leggings and a tank. Hannah yes. has a performance. I have a dance performance shortly. I, I didn't need to wear leggings and a tank because this is not what I'm wearing to my performance. I like it. But it felt like Your what I should wear en route. Very yeah. flash dance of you. <laughs> I mean, all I wanted in my life was to live the scene in center stage when oh. she goes to that New York Oh, uh, yes. dance studio and everyone greets each other and oh. that is my life now. I love that scene. And it's uh, it's a dream. Oh. What a career Zoe Saldana. <laughs> right? My God. Center stage to Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, Cross Wilds. Uh, Cross Wilds. That was the oh. first time I saw her and I was Forgot like, oof, that. oof, this movie, man. <gasps> Shonda Rhimes. But she's real. Oh I know I always God, forget that. Right. Yeah. But Zoe Saldana, I... Hats off. Yeah. And I think her children have taken her last name or s- there's something. Love it. So this amazing. week on Zoe Saldana. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't she and Bradley Cooper date? Do. Alex do. works for D-Listed. I do. Thank you very much. Uh, was with Perez Hilton for a while. No, I was not No, none of this is true. I was like, oh, cool. No, no, no. <laughs> Speaking of writing columns for the internet. Oh, yes. <laughs> I do that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes things get rejected. Yeah. And then sometimes you put those in a show. You know, it's like, I don't want these pieces to die. They were my babies and yeah. no one wanted to publish them. And so I shared them with uh, your audience. I love that. My mom loved it. Yeah. That's I great. saw her eyebrows raise. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're getting a reaction you know. out of her. Yeah, nice. that's right. That I feels great. Sometimes with like such a supportive audience, sometimes satire, they're just like, I don't think I should laugh because I just, <laughs> right. I'm about to donate money to a very specific cause. And then yeah. if I laugh at that, does right. it mean that, you know, yeah. I know. I felt like I had to be clear, like, we are not laughing at the children. Right. <laughs> we are laughing. We are making fun of the people who put us in this situation. That's funny. <laughs> How did you get into writing? I mean, honestly, like I've been writing forever, um, as long as I knew how to write. Um, I always thought I was going to be some kind of writer. I think at some point I was like, I'm going to be, you know, write the great American novel. And it was quickly clear that that was not going to be the case. I wrote a lot of really serious stuff in college that was terrible. <laughs> Creative Ter- writing? Oh, yeah. I want to, I oh. want you to do a performance with some of that. Oh my God. I that should would definitely dig up some old stories. That would they, be oh. so I wonder, fun. I don't even know where they are because like it's on an old computer. I, I but I did win. <laughs> I won an essay contest in college for like a prestigious award, and it was an essay that I had written about getting breast reduction, <laughs> and it, it was mostly humorous. And it, I, basically, like the world kept telling me, like, go funny, stop trying to be serious. Yeah, and it took some time, but I figured it out eventually. That's what happened to me too. It was like, why are you trying to be in Shakespeare plays, <laughs> comedy? You know, I was like, gosh, okay, yeah. 
I remember one time when a, a theater teacher told me that I had a dry sense of humor, and I was like, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> she makes no sense. Like, have I never listened to my voice? <laughs> Where did you go to school, Hannah? Um, I mean, ori- like originally, uh, in Let's college, I went to U of M. University no. of Michigan. I forget that that's not like across the country. Like the M could stand for so many things, um, but only one. The University of Michigan. Um, it was a wonderful, idyllic college experience. Midwest, beautiful fall leaves. Did you do the theater program, or were you? I a did writer? not. Okay. I was an English major. I thought about auditioning for the musical theater program. Yeah. Um, I really wanted to. And this is so sad. My choir teacher found out in high school, found out I was auditioning, and he kind of raised his eyebrows. He was like, oh. And I withdrew my application. And uh, But you know what? I don't regret it. (laughs) It's amazing how those experiences can really transform. Uh They really... I mean, these people, like, shape you. And I really cared about his opinion. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, it they don't teach kids me enough that you being different or sounding different is your gift. Yeah, or you being unique or you having like a lower register voice could be something that people need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same thing. And all the same same stuff happened to me. It's like, and then you just completely changed the course of your focus. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not sad that I don't have like a, mu- a musical theater career. It's something that like I've gotten to do out here at UCB and write my own shows and like discover yeah. all these things. Like I don't think I missed out by like not going to New York and auditioning for musicals. I think this life has been more satisfying, but um, yeah, it really affected me. But I, and I also did shows at U of M. I just wasn't part of oh, musical theater smart. program. Yeah, they have they had a huge arts department. So even if you weren't part of the program, you could, you could still be in shows. Yeah. That's so cool. So I got to do that. One of the musicals that you did in LA, very popular <laughs> Jersey Shoresicle. Yes. Jersey Shoresicle oh. colon a frickin' rock opera. <laughs> I heard about that. It was Hannah. really fun. I wrote it with Daniel Francesi. We oh, wrote, okay. uh, I mean, an hour and a half long full-on rock opera. It was so fun. Following <laughs> the travails of the characters from the Jersey Shore. I love that. How did you know how to write music? Um, so I still, to this day, like I couldn't write notes, but I, I was always making up songs. Um, it's funny because my three-year-old niece is me in every way and she makes up songs and I like see it now mm-hmm. and how annoying it must have been for my family but um so basically the way that I do songwriting now I play guitar and I can like figure out the chords but a lot of the times and I do this at my group at UCB quick and funny musicals I know the melody I know kind of how I want the sound to go and then I work with the musician and say okay here's the melody now let's fill in the pieces of the arrangement and that's cool. how we go from there yeah that's so cool. It's, I mean, I wish I really knew how to write music. It would make things a lot easier, but. <laughs> it's okay. It's yeah. a completely different language to me. It totally. I mean, whoa. Totally. Very impressed. And then you took that to the Fringe Festival in New York. Yes. We took that show. We did it out here for like two months um, at the bootleg. And that was oh, fun. Sold out. It. it was really a blast. Then we took it to the Fringe. And then we got extended at the Fringe. And then. Brought it back here. And by then, I had actually gotten hired to write. I think I had been hired to write on Stevie TV on VH1, which was a sketch show. So I was no longer in the cast. But it was really cool because then it was like to see our baby and like have people audition. And so a bunch of people came in and did the production. And I think it ran for a few months. Back out here. Yeah, back out here. Very cool. What's Stevie TV? It was a sketch show on VH1. Who was in it? 
this is sad. The, um, her name was Stevie Ryan. She actually passed away mm, oh, about a year ago. No. Yes. Um, but she was a bright, shining comedic light, and I wish she had had a bigger career. I think she deserved it. She was really, really talented, amazing impressionist, how did kooky, she, funny. How did she passed. She committed suicide. Oh, oh yes. God. Yeah. It's really sad because this is like beautiful chapter of my life where I really like we're, not to make it about me, but it's just, it sucks that there's this really sad piece of it. Um, For something that was so positive. It was so positive. She was great. The whole writing staff was great. Everyone on that show was, was your first wonderful. Writing job? It was my first TV writing job, and it was a dream. Wow. So it, so, I mean, to be honest, suicide is like, not to get all into it, but has like tinged a lot of jobs. I've worked with other people, and it's... Hollywood is a dark place. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, I don't know if it feels like it's happening more or we're talking about it more, but mental health is just becoming mm-hmm. a more and I more. I think both. Yeah. 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 Sad. It's also yeah. like, it, it also puts everything into perspective when you're having down days. Mm-hmm. It's like, what we're all doing out here is, is hard yeah. and... Uh, it can take a toll on you if you don't take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to spiral. Yeah. Yeah. And then from there, what did you do? Um, then I worked on a show called Partners on CBS. Cool. Um, and, you know, it was kind of like I thought I'd made I've made it. I'm on a CBS sitcom and we were running was after. Was that the Selma Blair one? No, it was um, Sophia Bush. And, oh, okay. And... Uh, Oh my God, why can't I not remember his name? David, can't remember his last name right now. Michael Yuri, Brandon Routh. Oh, okay. Um, and, you know, it was so much fun. It was Creators of Will and Grace, oh, Multicam. Cool. Again, like dream scenario, loved the whole staff. Everyone was awesome. Especially David. Especially David, mm. whose last name is completely escaping me right now. Um, it starts with a K. Uh, but he, or, but we ran six episodes and got canceled. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought like, oh, well, I'm in the game now, so it'll be okay. And I have not been staffed on a sitcom since. And I actually, I've worked on some other shows, um, a sitcom-ish Hollywood Darlings. Uh, but And Hollywood Darlings. Hollywood Darlings was on Pop. Right. Starring mm-hmm. Christine Lakin and Jody Sweeten and Beverly Mitchell. Amazing. Another dream scenario. Yeah. Super female-powered. Cool. Woman director woman line producer and I as a supervising producer, like we were kind of like the triangle behind the scenes and then we had the triangle in front of the scenes. Everyone got along great. It was super fun. Um, unfortunately it got canceled. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I made a decision to get a copywriting job and I love it. <gasps> really? Good for you. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. Where do you work? I work at a place called FabFitFun. Oh, I, um, you yeah, might I know notice it from your there. social media feeds. <laughs> We're all up in it with the influencers. It's a subscription box, but it's really fun. We create a lot of content and I can still work on films and stuff on the side, yeah. but I get paychecks twice a month, guys. Um, I get uh, health insurance. I get wow. stock options. Whoa. Wow. That's oh another God. world. <laughs> And uh, it was where I needed to go Stability. for the time, and I'm I'm into it. That was yeah. so great. It's so great, and also yeah. like you can still be up for writing on shows. Totally, that's amazing. That's yeah. ideal. Worked How when out. did you start there? Um, I started in January. It was like a very like new year, new job, new, new career. Year. Yeah, 
How did you get into that mindset where you were just like, okay, I got to do something? And yeah. Did, yeah. Basically, about a year ago, it was before the second season of Hollywood Darlings, and I started taking a class, and I was like, let me just have this. I'd done copywriting right after, you know, I like I said, I was an English major. I knew I wanted to write. I didn't know what kind of writer I was going to be. So I dabbled in copywriting a little bit during um, college and then after and ended up moving. I was like, no, I got to give this a shot. I moved to Chicago, did all the comedy classes out there, lots oh, of performing cool. out there. And then, but in the meantime, was working kind of in the advertising world, came out here and just went full time showbiz. And I was like, you know what? Things have changed a lot since I've been in Chicago as far as how to get a copywriting job and what kind of portfolio you need to have. A friend of mine recommended um, a class called Bookshop. And it's like for professionals. So you take it once a week. And it took about a year and a half to go through the whole program. And the end, you're going to have a portfolio. So I've been taking those classes. I actually was still taking it during Hollywood Darlings. Um, and then... Once, like over the last year, I had been taking a bunch of freelance jobs in that ra- in that um, realm, and then when Hollywood Darlings officially got canceled, that's when it just like at the same time this job had opened up, and I applied for it, and I took a writing test, and it just felt like I belonged there. Yeah, and it's been really great. That's great. Yeah. And then what are, are your and then your UCB group is is doing the the quick musicals? Yes, quick and funny musicals. So we do a new musical every other month. We perform it twice, um, and it's just like kind of all over the map kind of stuff. I think this one this I'm not participating this month, but it's like Ariana Grande's Ponytail. I think. Oh my god! So we have to go. <laughs> like other yeah, short. I love that. <laughs> So really, like, we wrote Center Stage in the musical a couple years ago. Um, my favorite one I wrote with uh, my friend Ben Seaman is called, uh, we did Sister Act 3, oh. featuring Katy Perry as the villain, kicking oh. the nuns out of another That's convent. so funny. Wow. So Calling it's back really, like, silly and fun, and yeah. Because Katy Perry bought... Yes. Um, a convent you know about this? in Los Feliz. And wanted to turn it into a house. Does she keep it? Did she, she win? One, I don't know if she lives in now. So the story was uh, the Vatican or the the male part of this, whoever owned this convent, basically like sold it to Katy Perry. But the nuns had sold it to a woman who wanted to make it a hotel. But the nuns technically didn't own it because they're women. And <laughs> so the... Uh, forgive my Jewishness. I have no idea. The diocese. Yep. They owned it. So it basically went to court. One of the nuns dropped dead in court during these proceedings. Yes. And Katy Perry, when it was over owned the convent. I don't know if she still did, but basically it was that the nuns had no right to sell their home. Wow. Mm -hmm. So was this recent? It was a couple years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So she owns a convent somewhere in Los Feliz. In Los Feliz. Yeah. And we don't know if she's actually done anything to it, but or she, if yeah. she sold it. Yeah. Whoa. Oh, weird. Uh-huh. I've heard only lovely things about her. That's good. Yeah. I mean, she's not, you know, it, that was between, I feel like, the nuns and the diocese. So So what's next? But this dance recital is next. This dance recital is next. Four sold out shows. Yes. <laughs> and it just gives me great joy. That's great. Yeah, it's like really a soul-filling class. And we last time we did a show was four years ago. 
And so it's been a while and it's a big group number and it feels like I'm in high school again doing the play and it's just a blast. I'm so sad tonight's the last night. Have you met a lot of people, like friends? Yeah. Oh, Oh, yeah. The last time we did, I mean, I go every Sunday to this class and the last time we did the recital, I became very close with a bunch of the people that were in the number and then a lot of us are in it again this time and we become close with other people and it's just so much fun. It's so much fun. It feels like something you really don't get to do a lot as an adult. Totally. So it feels really special. I think it's like really, someone told me it's really important, especially if you're creative, to find mm. something that you're, that is a creative outlet of uh-huh. some kind that you're not trying to yes. do like professionally. Yes. Because I feel like you can just like free yourself up and enjoy it. Like you're complete again. Yes. Um, and I agree with you. I feel like we don't do that enough. Yeah. No, there's no pressure there. It's just fun. It feeds like the creativity that I need to feed, but at the same time, there's just zero pressure. What was the like the what's been the best part of having a steady job? I mean, honestly, I feel so much more chill. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, especially, you know, I had you know, I've I've had the ups, and I've been like, all right, I've made it, and then tr- quickly learned that there's no such thing. Yeah. And the, just the not having to struggle right now. And it's actually like giving me a better place on the writing that I'm doing because it doesn't feel so desperate right now. Mm-hmm. So working on the weekends, working on features that like aren't going to make or break my life right. feels really good. And I f- it's taken the pressure off and it makes writing a lot easier. And I'm going on a writer's retreat in a couple of weeks with a bunch of women and we're just going to Palm Springs and going to write the whole weekend. And it's just like, I can't wait. And it's going to be so fun. What is your husband? Does your husband in the industry? He is not. Ooh. And you love it. I love it. Though, funny enough, he was a chef forever and also terrible industry. Truly, we couldn't have chosen worse. I know, right? (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. There, I mean, also same thing, like you can never be like safe in your job because restaurants have to lay off people all the time. Mm. And there's also some restaurants he came, he trained under Thomas Keller. He worked at Bouchon for many years and like super serious about it. And other places, the people who work there are not, don't take it seriously at all. And so you just never know kind of what restaurant environment you're getting into. So recently he decided to also, we both like have gone for stability recently. Mm-hmm. So he's now working for a purveyor who he used to be their customer. So they provide um, fruit and meat, fruit, <laughs> produce. and Just the fruit. It's yeah, the just the fruit. Um, produce and meat and seafood to restaurants all over LA. And so, so now he's, does. oh really? Yeah, no what's the company called? Um, West Central Produce. Okay. I don't know. I mean, it's lower. So <laughs> They're actually, yeah. I'm wrong. They don't add the produce. It's West Central because it's not just produce. That's kind of why they brought him in because he's a meat expert. Mm. Oh For a minute, gosh. his title is going to be meat liaison, which is going to be really fun. They changed it and now it's like protein specialist, but <laughs> meat liaison is pretty fun to have That's on your funny. business card. <laughs> Do you guys get a lot of uh, discounts for food from there? Does he ever bring stuff home? Um, when we go to restaurants, a lot of people know him. Cause he's, you know, worked all over. And mm-hmm. if anyone knows him at a restaurant, we are going to eat very well that night. Yeah, that's and that's, that's nice. so nice. That's pretty fun. And then he also gets to bring stuff home from the farmer's market. So that's also really fun. Can he also just like cook anything for you? Yes. Oh, that's, that's nice. So it's nice. really nice. How did you guys meet? Jury duty. 
What? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Tell me everything. We were on a trial together. Um, we met, it's been four and a half years. Uh, we grew up in Michigan, half an hour away from each other. Same age, just never would have run into each other. I didn't know that. Yeah. No, so it's like even crazier that we met over here. And the reason we started talking was because during the questioning, Vaudeer is wonderful for dating. What is? Vaudeer, it's when you get um, questioned at jury duty. Like once you are put on uh, a panel, they ask you a bunch of questions and you find out, you know, I, I don't know if they ask you if you're single, but it's like, <laughs> what's your age? What's your job? So really, like I learned a lot. <laughs> That's so <laughs> And funny. it was like revealed during mine that I was from Michigan and he came up and he was like, hey, I'm from Michigan too. And it turned out there was another girl also from Metro Detroit. So we hung out and another guy who wasn't from Michigan, but we just became friends. We were on a trial for two weeks. You're not allowed to talk about the trial during that time. So we would go out to lunch. We all got to know each other. And then he asked me out like the second to last day. He supported me when I... um <laughs> You know, they they bring you in to finally uh, deliberate. And I volunteered to be the presiding juror. They don't call it the foreman anymore. Uh, and the, the bailiff leaves and he's like, you have to, you know, decide. And he closes the door. And I said, I volunteer as tribute. And he was like, I second the motion. <laughs> Everyone was like, okay, you guys are weird. But yes, we'll let you be presiding juror. That's so funny. And we decided the case that afternoon so it was a friday it was two weeks of a trial that was supposed to be one week and everyone wanted to get the hell out of there it was awful it was a civil trial so i will say that was i'm glad i didn't have to like decide on someone's oh god life yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. that would be really stressful yes that would be oh so stressful. and then uh where did you go on your first date um where did we go on our first date oh you know what we went to like it was a really tough time to plan it because he had a crazy schedule because he was a chef. I had a crazy schedule. I think my parents had been in town. So it took us like two weeks to plan the first date. And it was like, all right, let's do brunch on Saturday. And I didn't have the heart to tell him that it was Valentine's Day. It was oh, like a lot of pressure wow. for a first date. But it was just like, what are we going to do? We, mm-hmm. we got to go. And at least it's brunch. Yeah. So we went to like BCD, I think it was called. It's, no. No. BCD. I think it's closed now. Okay. It's on Beverly. It was fine. It was just like, oh, whatever. Um, but he had a single red rose. And he was like, someone told me it was Valentine's Day. And I was like, you're different. Aww. <laughs> That's really sweet. It was very sweet. That I love that. Yeah. But then the second day, he took me out for like amazing udon downtown. Ooh. And to see jazz. Ooh, so that was I like, know. okay. Second day, it was like, mm-hmm. all right. Like, okay, he knows what's up. Yeah. When, um, I think that, like, again, like, we ask all of our performers what is their thing that keeps them persisting to keep doing Mm -hmm. what they do. Yeah. And you've kind of managed to do that by finding a really nice way to have kind of everything, the best of both worlds. Like, you get to write during your day job and you get to, Mm -hmm. um, Right on the weekends, you get to still do creative stuff. Um, how, like, to feel that to the need and want to be creative also on the mm-hmm. weekends while still having? How do you do that? It's hard. Yeah, um, it definitely has taken some time. 
Um, especially now that my husband is available on the weekends, which he didn't used to be, but now he like has evenings and weekends available. Um, so it's tough, but it's something that in the same way I self-motivated when I was freelancing and was like, no one's paying me to get up to write today, but I'm going to do it anyway. Just making it a habit. And I'm obviously like not writing as fast as I used to, Yeah, but it's still just part of me. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a real thing. Like if you take a little break from writing and then it's just like, it's just like a muscle. Yeah. Like uh, working out. Yeah. The more totally. you do it, the easier it is. You had a solo show in New oh, York? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, what was your solo <laughs> show about? How did that come about? I had, uh, I was in Chicago. I was doing like, basically anytime I was like, here's my plan, I'll follow what everyone else did and I'll go to Second City and... I was like, oh, I'll get on stage within a year and then be on SNL and learned pretty quickly that it wasn't going to happen that way. Um, and I think I was like on a team at IO and we got cut like after who knows a year or so, a couple rounds. Um, Sharna, did you, hmm? did she was your teacher, Sharna? Yes. Halpern? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So did that whole thing. And then I kind of realized like I actually had written a show with a friend of mine and we had booked a theater and she backed out. <gasps> and I had written a one woman show like a couple years before. And I was like, you know what? I think it's time to bring this show back, revamp it. Um, Katie Rich directed it at the time, who is a writer on SNL yeah. now. She's awesome. Um, and yeah, it was, I did that and it did fine in Chicago and it got some nice notices. And then I, I still could not tell you where I thought like, oh, I'll submit to the New York Fringe Festival. I did that. Um, then on a gas tire directed that version of it. Oh, come on. It was like Wait. a friend of a friend of a friend. What? Yeah. My, oh my God. Here's the U of M connection. <gasps> my father was very involved in the musicals at U of M and he wrote all his friends and was like, Hannah's going to be in New York if anyone wants to come see her perform. And one of his friends was a... Um, uh, publicist and she was like let me know what I can do to help so oh, she helped so nice. me get in contact with Anna Gasteyer who was like I'm looking to help you know young women <sighs> so I spent like a weekend I flew out there and spent a weekend with her working on my show she was a dream it yeah. was so much fun and I would like work with her all day and then I'd like go back to the hotel and like do a bunch of writing come back and work with her so lots of like the whole way it was like women, yeah, you know, helping me so out. Great. And I ended up sending a DVD of the show before New York to this manager out here who really liked it. And she flew to New York to see me and said, you should quit your job and move to LA. So I did. Wow. And it's been, you know, craziness ever since. <laughs> what was your show about? Oh my God. It was so uh, trite. I mean, for kudos to this manager for seeing through it and like seeing the funny parts. Um, but it was like at the time I was like 26 and it was like the first half was like, I'm 26 years old and I'm not a star. I always thought I'd be a star and I'm not, I mean, you know, with a heavy sense of irony in there, but still. And then the second half was like, I'm 26 years old and I'm still single and dating sucks. So it was a bunch of dating mishaps. So it's stuff that now just feels like, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, but there were, you know, moments of something <laughs> that yeah. she saw. There was lots of music. I wrote a bunch of songs for it. You sang in it. Yeah. Oh, she has a great guitar. Voice. Thank you. Okay. Um, so yeah. 
and that is what brought me out here. I couldn't imagine. I think I did it out here again, and I like kept revamping it. Um, what year did still. you do the Fringe in New York? That one, hmm, I want to say, was like 2008, maybe? Yeah. yeah. I feel like 2007, yeah. 2008 were years for like... Well, around that time, yeah. or like the French Festival in New York, like it was a big deal. It's a mm-hmm. real big yeah. deal, and a lot of people. That was like a lot of people's jumping off points. Yeah, yeah. It was post here in town, hmm. and actually, uh, okay. Uh, what was the musical? It wasn't at Fringe. It was actually at Nymph, I think. Um, title of show. Hmm. We had just like moved to Broadway. So it was like this festival story of like a show that was at a festival, moved off Broadway, now is on Broadway. And it was like, oh, this will be me. <laughs> that's so interesting. I mean, I guess it's not because that's similar to what I did. It was like you weren't, well, yeah, you were it, at Michigan doing a lot of theater and performing yeah. mm-hmm. comedy too. Yeah. And then we're like, okay, this is what I want to do. Went mm-hmm. to Chicago. So it's like to all those people out there who are like, I didn't do an undergrad theater program. It's like, oh, yeah. you don't have to do that. Definitely not. You know, like no. you can figure out piecemeal and put it together. But uh, that's it. And also what I, I think is interesting about like, you don't have to do it undergrad. Mm-hmm. It's like do theater for undergrad, but you also... It's like we, so many of us followed in the footsteps of like Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Uh-huh. And the interesting thing is <laughs> things don't start happening for you. My experience, things happen for you when you do things your own way. A hundred percent. And it's yeah. like that was their yeah. own way. And how many hundreds of thousands of women, like, dare I say million? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like go and do what they did. And it's, you know. Great way to make friends. <laughs> but also, no. like, yeah. Every time I've tried to, like, follow some path, it hasn't worked out. It's always been, like, let me figure out my own thing. Yeah. yeah. Let me write my own stuff. Amen to that. Yeah. Even out here, I mean, I tried to get on... I, I'm a decent improviser. I'm not amazing. And it's not something that I've... I did it for like, 10 years on and off, and I never need to see another improv show again as long as I live, quite frankly. But... <laughs> Um, you know, I came out here and I was like, all right, now I got to take classes at UCB and I didn't get on a team and it felt like really heartbreaking. And I was like, no, I'm going to write my own show. And that's what eventually led me to quick and funny musicals. And so, and that's so much yeah. more interesting to me to then being on a Herald team is you having your own yeah, show totally at the same venue. And mm-hmm. that's what Broad City, the girls of Broad City, exactly. did that, they didn't get on a Herald team. Right. So they made their own show. Exactly. Before we leave, can we talk briefly about Hollywood Darlings? Yes. yes. Which Would you mind telling us what it is? So it was a show that was like technically an improvised, and I'll, you know, wink at that, um, <laughs> uh, sitcom starring three former child stars, Jodie Sweetin from uh, Full House and Beverly Mitchell from Seventh Heaven and Christine Lakin from, um, uh, you guys know step. it, Step by Step. Thank okay. you. And- Christine is the person I'm closest to who I've knew way before the show started. Um, and it is, it was just like exploring their lives as moms and exploring their lives as women who have a lot of expectations placed on them. And we did, uh, two seasons, eight episodes each for pop. It's really fun. We got to really like get in there and I, especially in the second season really got to have a big hand in it. And it was such a great experience. A lot of nostalgia jokes. A lot of nostalgia jokes. And we also got to have like other stars come from okay. other shows and That's guest great. star. It was super fun. And you and Christine used to be <clears throat> writing partners. Do you still yes. write things together? 
we don't write things together anymore, but um, only because, I mean, her acting career was doing really well and it was like, you got to go with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she and I actually met on Stevie TV when she was acting on that show and I was writing, but I also acted on it occasionally. Um, and so we met, became friends through that. She kept, I kept seeing her in dailies and I was like, this girl is so funny. Uh, and really, you know, it was so cool to see, I knew who she was from step by step, but it was cool to see that she'd grown into this like really hilarious actress. Um, so we became friends and then I think like Hollywood darlings came around and we worked together on the first season we already been writing together. We must've been, we started to work on projects together and then eventually it became official. And so we had like a few years where we went around and tried to sell a show and unfortunately it didn't work out, but I absolutely loved working with her and we're still really good friends. So what a testament to her acting career. Because I think out of the three of them, she's the least recognizable, Mm -hmm. like because she's changed so much, her appearance has, and she's still, has a career without ha- looking exactly totally. the same. Well, and now she's directing. She directed so an episode cool. of The Goldbergs. It's it's really oh, cool. awesome. Yeah, she's killing it. That's great. Yeah. Hannah, thank you so much. Thank Thanks, for guys, for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, have a great show tonight. Thank you. I was about to say break a leg, but you're not supposed to say that to a dancer. I think it still works. Sia, Mared. It's Sia's. Yeah, Mared. Everyone says Mared, Mared. at the show. Oh, really? Sia, yeah. Sia's choreographer is your... Is our dance teacher. He is he is the god of our dance cult. <laughs> Maybe a seal. Maybe she'll be there tonight, but who would know? Oh my god. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hope she is. to the waves of its residue. It's laughter from the marbled room. White crown sounds of possible.